What's happening, everybody? It's me, Jason Goff. And as a longtime Chicago media dude, I'm on 10 to introduce you to The Full Go, a new podcast at The Ringer and Spotify dedicated to all things Chicago sports. We'll be coming to you on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights with all the reactions to the locals. Plus, I'll be chatting with my friends and people who matter in town. If you want to ask a question or fire off one of those absurd barbershop takes, I'll react to your calls on the listener voicemail line, too. So whether you're in Lakeview, the Wild Hunters, K-Town, the Burbs, or a transplant, make sure you follow The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21-plus, 18-plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in Wednesday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Skremski. We are right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we were in a position Tuesday evening that's very unique. I know I certainly felt that way, and I'm sure that there were plenty of Mets fans feeling the exact opposite way, considering the dynamic in the American League wildcard race. What am I referencing? Well, the Yankees need wins. The New York Mets, even though they are dead and buried and have no chance of making the postseason, they have two games with the Boston Red Sox. Stroman was on the mound. Red Sox had won a bunch of games in a row. I was actually dumb enough to think that the Mets were going to go and win this game today. So what was the dynamic? You had people like me who are not exactly waving pom-poms for the Mets all year. Listen, you're a Yankee fan or you're a Mets fan. To me, you can't root for both teams. If you root for both teams, you're not really a fan of either one, as far as I'm concerned. You're either a Yankee fan or a Mets fan. That's it. You live in New York. You're true blue New York. That's the way it is. Don't give me this nonsense. Oh, I root for both teams. Yankees are losing. I want them. No, 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 no. You're a Yankee fan or a Mets fan. Needless to say, I am not actively rooting for the Mets, nor are Mets fans actively rooting for the Yankees. That's just the way it goes. Mets being good is good for business. I understand that. I work at SNY. They're great to me. I don't want the Mets to stink. It's no fun doing the job that I do. But am I rooting for the Mets to win the World Series? Hell no. And what Mets fan on planet Earth is rooting for the Yankees to win the World Series? So now that we got that out of the way, I'm rooting for the Mets tonight. 
heavily rooting for the Mets. I think a majority of Mets fans, you put them under a lie detector test, they were rooting for Boston tonight. In fact, I talked to a couple of Mets fans, the great Frankie Esposito, the great Nittany Lion, Mike Flegelman, guys who are diehard Mets fans, because I wanted to get a sense of their rooting interest and their dynamic, and they didn't sugarcoat it. They said, yeah, my team's out of it. My team stinks. I want you miserable, too. Well, guess what? I learned a valuable lesson. And the Yankees have nobody to blame but themselves. They lost two out of three to the Indians. They lost four out of six to this measly Met team. And they lost a bunch of games to the Orioles. So they legitimately have nobody to blame but themselves. So let's make that clear. But if you think you can count on the Mets for anything, think again. Think again. And I I think Marcus Stroman is going to send me another hate tweet wondering why he's not a part of the New York top 15 list. I mean, give me a freaking break. I, 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 I don't know where to begin. Stroman getting rocked up in Boston. Alonzo getting thrown out in a 2-0 game where he's out by a country mile. And then the Mets proceeding to do diddly squat the rest of the game on offense. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not the least bit surprised. And from a Yankee standpoint, you have to take care of your own business. I'm not a believer in this team. I know how flawed they are. I know how they flushed this lead right down the toilet. And now they're in a predicament where, yeah, they need a little help. Until Friday. Friday rolls around. And it's all in front of the New York Yankees. For a wild card spot. Three at Toronto. Three at Boston over the weekend. That's where we start. Three at Boston, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be there. Three at Toronto. I don't want to quarantine, so we're not going to Toronto. And then three, hopefully next weekend, against Tampa Bay, where the Yankees are playing their way into the postseason. If they go beat Texas tomorrow, which they cannot mess around with, and find a way to go six and three and win all three of those individual series, I think that'll be good enough to get the Yankees into the month of October. So the Yankees right now are at 85 and 67. You can't assume that they're going to win on Wednesday, but they need to win on Wednesday. If they get Wednesday's game, that gets them to 86. So that would give them six and three down the stretch. That get them a 91 wins. I know Toronto has Baltimore. I know the Red Sox have a very soft schedule down the stretch of the year. But remember, heads up with Boston, heads up with Toronto. You got to win those games. And for the Yankees on Tuesday night, listen, feel good game. You haven't had enough of these over this past month. You haven't had enough of these over this past year. Judge, Stanton, Gallo, all going Yahtzee. A terrific, well-pitched game from Jordan Montgomery. And to me, the story of this game, and it was in many ways a sight for sore eyes for Yankee fans. The first time you had an opportunity to see Luis Severino on a big league mound since the ALCS of 2019. That is, that's pretty wild to think about. That this was the first time Tuesday against the Texas Ranchers, you've seen Luis Severino basically in like two years. Severino, a couple of years ago, was the Yankee All-Star ace. He was, in many ways, the guy you look to as a game one starter. Now, he didn't have great postseason success, 
But this is a guy who had some terrific, terrific regular seasons for the Yankees. And I love seeing the command. He was throwing, all right, 94-95. He could be a weapon for the Yankees as far as I'm concerned over the final week of the year. It's refreshing that the Yankees are getting all of these arms back now. Would have been nice having them two or three weeks ago so I wouldn't have had to sit through Chad Green and the other cast of thousands giving up big home runs. But King can give you length. Herman can give you length. Severino can give you length. They make your bullpen that much better, and they are going to be counted on in these big games that the Yankees are playing. Like, Severino's going to have to pitch a couple of big innings, I believe, up in Boston. And I'm trying to figure out how the Yankees are going to utilize Cole. Well, they need him for every single one of these regular season games. So, to me, you're down, you're trailing, you're trying to get into the playoffs. Cole's pitching Friday. Cole's got to go in the Toronto series, and then you would probably line it up. If you need him, he goes short rest that final Sunday of the regular season. And if you don't, you hope and pray that you have him on full rest for the wild card game. On regular rest, maybe, if it's a plan to get into the wild card game. Don't rule out that possibility. With how tight this is in the American League, would it shock me at this point if the Yankees, let's say, Got to go to Toronto on Tuesday and then would have to go to Boston or it would be Monday and Tuesday. They'd have to go to Toronto on Monday and play a game 163 and then go to play the wild card game in Boston on Tuesday. It could happen. Where the Yankees are at right now, you just want to get in. That's my mentality. I know this has been a rotten year. I know this has been a disappointing year, but they're half game out of a playoff spot. I don't want to have no October baseball even if it's for a day, even if it's for two days, even if it's for a week. I want October somehow, some way. I really want it in the Bronx, but it's going to take some major maneuvering to have October in the Bronx unless they miraculously find a way to get to a division series. Take care of your business. That's the mantra for the Yankees. Win. Don't expect other teams like the Mets or the Orioles or the Nationals to help you out. Win your games. It's all in front of you. I think the record for the Yankees, with 10 games remaining in this season, 7-3. and And that will not be easy. 7-3 and after Texas is going to be a daunting challenge. Boston's hot. Toronto is hot. Tampa, even if they have nothing to play for, I wouldn't be shocked if Tampa got up for those Yankee games and want to stick it to the Yankees, they hate the Yankees. They get great satisfaction in beating the Yankees. That's what's in front of you right now. I'm all sorts of jittery, nervous, anxious, but in some ways at peace, no matter what, when it comes to this Yankee season. I'm excited for the idea of going to Boston this weekend, and I want to see the Yankees perform. I'm sorry. I don't want to have to hear from Simmons. I don't want to have to hear from Ryan Murray and Brian Patrick. I don't want to hear from these hooligans. I don't. And I know it would cause a lot of pain and suffering. A potential Yankee-Red Sox playoff game in which the Red Sox go down to the Yankees. That would cause a lot of suffering. The Yankees haven't been on the positive end of that against Boston in a while. Well, you got to beat Boston first. And you got to win Wednesday with Kluber on the mound. 
I can't stress that enough. The Yankees cannot have the mentality of, oh, we got Boston this weekend. This is a, a, a mail-it-in type game. I want the A lineup. I want A relievers. And I want to win. Win and get me to Thursday. Picks with Joe B. Football Friday show. And then boom, I'm on a plane to Boston Friday morning. That's what I want. And I'll be at Yankee Stadium tomorrow. So don't piss me off. Please. I need a good golf round tomorrow. I need a Yankee win tomorrow. I would really like a Met win, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to be begging. Good round, Yankee win. Safe flight. That's what needs to happen between now and now. My mood tomorrow via social media, you'll, you'll know. Between the golf round and the Yankees, and if I'm going to have one, I'm taking the Yankee win. This one may, I might have said, you know what? I'm going to take the golf round. No, 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 no. We're too late in the game. I want October in the Bronx. I'm praying for October in the Bronx. It'd be great for the show. It'd be great interacting with all y'all. I, and listen, the New York football scene <laughs> with the Giants and the Jets, not exactly anxiously looking forward to a uh, wall-to-wall show with the, with the two and four Giants and the one and six Jets. Not exactly music to my ears. And can my quarterback, by the way, get right? He better play on Sunday. It's probably not, but he better play. That's neither here nor there. We got a loaded show. We got trivia Q&A with JJ. We got tons of voicemails to get to. We have both Willie Colon, my main man, and the lovely Maria Marino all lined up midweek. No hangover around here. I've only just begun. New York, New York. Come right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So it was as bad as it gets for Zach Wilson against the New England Patriots. This guy is one of my favorite people in media. You see him, you hear him. I see him on the SNY postgame show with the Jets. Morning men, late hits over at SiriusXM. My dude, I miss him from the old DNL days. The yes. great Willie Colon. What's happening, baby? <laughs> What's up, JJ? How's everything, baby? Ah, Willie, I'm doing okay, man. Let's start here. You've seen plenty of crap quarterback performances. I'm going to throw this one at you. What was the scarier and more horrific game? Donald seeing the ghosts a few years ago? Wilson Sunday. What was worse? Oh, man. It, it's, it's tough because I think what's, what's worse about Donald, you could tell he was just having a meltdown, right? Like, it was obvious that it was – the game had just gone by him and he was just, he was just out there just trying to figure it out and he was just throwing it into air. What really hurt about Zach was that all the throws that he attempted were, were easy. You know what I mean? Like he, he didn't have to throw the ball to Corey Davis. He could have had an easy check down. He could have had a couple easy check downs. Um, and if he wanted to really go pound for pound for, with Mac Jones, all he had to do was mimic what Mac was doing. Mac was just taking what the defense gave him and he was able to kind of trot along. So, uh, so what's worse, honestly, I, I think it, it's probably, it's probably Sam's Sam's is hard to swallow because I, I'm, I'm a big Sam Darnold fan. So, um, watching him kind of just chuck and duck and then throw into throw picks was tough to watch. 
Doesn't it go to show you, though, with a guy like Donald, how your support staff can be everything? Because, listen, not that I think he's a top five quarterback in the league, Willie, but you see him now in Carolina. He's got Christian McCaffrey. He's got receivers he can trust. He's got a coach who's got a damn cool what he's doing. Now, all of a sudden, Sam Donald's playing really good football. That's my fear with the Jets, bro. Support is everything. And now Donald, in many ways, this is the guy I thought the Jets were getting a couple of years ago. But isn't it predictable? Right. Like every, everybody that said once Sam leave, he's going to be a guy like he's going to be a guy you respect. He's going to be with an outfit you respect. And he probably is going to end up in the playoffs and having a shot at the NFC championship at some point in his life. Right. And so that's the heartbreak about watching Sam Darnold have the success he's having. The thing with Zach Wilson, we have to understand is that the kid, I think, is hyper competitive. I think he I think he's a dog. I think he's dogmatic. I think he really believes. He can be an elite quarterback in this in this game. Um, now, will it happen? I don't know because, to your point, you need other pieces around you for you to be successful, right? Like you need a. He doesn't have a number one right now. He doesn't even have a safety net and a, and a tight end. His offensive line is patchwork. So there's still a lot of holes that that needs to be filled with the New York Jets. The thing that I do like about him, on a positive note, is that you can tell when the game slows down for him like he did in Carolina in the second half, he becomes something special. So I'm, I'm a fan that he's out there now, that he's taking valuable reps. Um, the growing pains that which happened Sunday against the Patriots, hopefully he understands that, you know, every time the ball's in his hands, it's valuable. Like, you can't just be throwing the ball away because you don't have necessarily defense that can get you the ball right back right away. You don't have that kind of one-two punch to, like, like Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams where, like, listen, all I got to just throw it downfield he's going to go get it with back on the board. Or I like how Patrick Mahomes can do to Tyree Hill. So it's he has to understand that it's, it's there's a bigger sense of urgency when the ball's in his hands and he has to be more sharp and he has to be very deliberate and he has to just take what the defense gives him. That everything doesn't have to be a home run ball. I'm going to let you be offensive coordinator, Willie Colon. The Jets yeah. are taking on a ball-hawking defense, a defense that's got two yeah. terrific defensive ends, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and a 2-0 to start this year. Do you keep the game plan the way it's been the last two weeks? So, like, you're telling me the Wilson interceptions that you saw on Sunday were not the result necessarily of schematics. It was more the idea of Zach forcing the issue, Zach not taking the easy throw. So I guess it's fair to say that if you were coaching him up throughout the course of this week, you'd be like, hey, dude, don't be a hero. Take the easy throw because that's the sort of game we need to play if we're going to have a chance to win. Yeah, because your defense is good enough to keep you in the game, right? They're not spectacular, but they're tough enough and gritty enough to keep you in the game. On top of that, you have a run game that that showed his head Sunday, right? Like I like the kid Michael Carter. I like the kid Johnson. They had it seemed like Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses and George Fan on the ends, the two tackles. They 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 fared out well. So I'm fine with that. What he needs to understand is that when you're playing on the road in hostile territory, in particular Denver, where the air's thin and that team plays behind that that crowd. It's all about game management and time management. And it's always, it's all, always going to be about how he can stay ahead of the sticks, be a, the run game be efficient. And on top of that, if you're going to scramble, understand that you do have Von Miller out there. And, you, and Bradley Chubb, I know it's questionable, I don't think he's playing, but you have some guys that can really get after you. So you're not going to always beat everybody around the edge. Throwing away the football is okay. Uh, and so he has to let the game come to him. And hopefully, you know, he's humbled by Sunday. Um, and hopefully that he he has a bounce-back game like Aaron Rodgers had on Monday against Detroit. I'm curious if you get this sense, because even though the Jets are 0-2, 
even though Wilson was as bad as can be last week. I feel like if Adam Gaze was coaching his team, they would have lost 45 to nothing <laughs> and 42 to nothing, and they wouldn't have given you any sort of effort. I know yeah. there's no moral victories in the NFL, and if you were a part of that team, you wouldn't want to hear that sort of shit. But the reality is, Willie, I think this team is playing a heck of a lot harder, yep. and I think yep. they're playing a better brand of football, at least for two weeks, than what I saw last year. Is that I, I, reasonable? I think, you, I, think you, I think you hit it right on the head. And on top of that, like it's, it's how we kind of – you know, we're both New Yorkers. We both pull for the Knicks. We started judging the Knicks that they started competing all four quarters. They were able to keep their competitiveness from quarter one, two, three, and four. And if they won, if they won a loss, really wasn't a matter. We, we was proud of the product. That the they effort. Was you want effort. And the effort and the grit. I'm starting to get the sense with this team. One thing this team has to do, I think, and they, you got to say, this is the, the youngest team in the NFL. I was a part, when I got to the Jets in 2013, we were the second youngest team in the NFL. A lot of that is growing pains. You got to learn how to win. You got to learn how to come out of halftime with your ears still pent up and really get after it because you know towards the back end of that game, there's always going to be two or three, four, maybe five games that really impact the game to kind of make it go left to right. You have to, as a pro, understand like, all right, when I come out of halftime, I still got to be dogmatic about my work. Every All that nonsense I was talking in the first half, I got to bring it in the second half. And that comes with this team understanding that you can't fall asleep at the wheel. And I thought they responded well in Carolina. They came out second half and responded well. So did Zach. Even in this game, I thought they responded well. They even played hard towards the end of that game. So this is a team that shows that they have a lot of pride. Salah's doing a great job of staying in their ear and like, hey, you got to keep fighting to the end. And I think they got enough guys that really, which I've been saying since I, I left the field, they love football. If you don't love football, it's hard to get washed up. It's hard like... There's a lot of front runners, right? When the money's good, the team's good, and everything's okay, it's easy to love football. I want to see guys when things aren't going well, do you still have the fight in the dog, and you still want to be out there scrapping the fight? That's that's called the love for the game. I see enough that are out there, and so I'm I'm happy with the outfit, man. I think they just got to they just need a win, and they got to get rolling. Speaking of loving football, Denzel Mims, did you have a problem with him not suiting up in week two? It's ridiculous. I don't understand it. It's starting to seem personal. You know, what I mean, I don't understand how you have a young quarterback in Zach Wilson. And, and why you went out, you wouldn't want him out there. And the other thing is, Willie, think about it. It's not like he came from the prior regime from like yep. a front office standpoint. I would get it if he was like a McCagnan guy and he got drafted by McCagnan. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we didn't draft him. We don't believe in him. Douglas took him two years ago. What was what's hard, because if you listen to Robert Sala's press conference, it was like, well, we need him to know all four, all four positions. You know how many people in the NFL don't know all four, their, their positions? They just know their one position. And so it's nonsense for that for them to keep coming out like, well, we need him to be like, listen, the kid is he's a big body. You can put him on special teams. All he has to either go run or block. That's easy, right? Just tell him how to fit up. But he's a big target for a young quarterback who at times the ball gets away from him. We have a 6'2 receiver. He can go up and get it, especially in traffic, because it picks that Zach's through. You know, he can't the back into the press conference. He was like, well, you know, those, that was those man coverages and things with the sky. No, it wasn't. Belichick was just sitting in zone. It was like, all right, beat me. You know what I mean? So if you have a tall receiver and things get away from you, get throws get away from you, you have a big body in number 11 that can go up and get it and make things right and can keep the chains move, moving and keep the momentum going. So I don't understand it. Me and Bart talk about it all the time and Deucible on, on, on pre and post game with the Jets. It's, it's, it's starting to seem, it's seem, it's seem extremely personal. And I know they want Elijah Moore to be a number one. They want him to be that big threat outside like an Antonio Brown. That's not him. If you watch Elijah Moore's tape, he was in a slot and nobody can guard him. So I don't understand why the Jets don't want to put him back in the slot and let him cook every linebacker in the NFL. 
They want him to be outside. They want him to. I, that's not who he is. Put him in a slot. Let him eat. Put Denzel Mims outside. Let him be the one and let him get the reps and let him be a, a trusted target for uh, Zach Wilson. You're a former teammate of Ben Roethlisberger. You were a part of a team that won a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. So yep. I know he's your dude, but he does not look like the same guy, Willie, that I saw playing with your team when you guys beat the Arizona Cardinals. I know they drafted Najee Harris. I know their offensive line is nowhere close to what the Steelers are used to. Does Ben, in your opinion, have any gas left in the tank? Can he find one last gear if this is his last year or next year is his last year? He's in great shape. But right. he's not moving the way Ben Roethlisberger used to move. Let's put it that way. Well, he's he's ten years old. He's ten years older from that sim- Super Bowl, right? He's, 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 you know what the problem is, Willie? We all see Brady. We all see Brady, and you can't even compare it to that guy because he's like he's a cyborg, dude. He's like that's, super human. That's the biggest hiccup in sports, right? Like we look at Brady and what how Brady what Brady does to prepare and his recipe to success, and we say, well, if Brady can do it, then anybody can do it. No, that man is specifically wired. And dedicated in his mindset and how he treats his body in the offseason and things he go through just to prepare for a season. Not every quarterback is doing what Brady does. and Not every quarterback can be Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger has ben been successful for a long time, long time being Ben Roethlisberger. He's getting older, so you're starting to see the age. He's starting, you know, he may look, I know there is, I was watching social media and they have a clip of him coming in the stadium. He looks a little big. His name is Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's, he's always a, been big. He's, he's always, always been, been big. big. If so anything, I think he looks better now than he did five, six years ago, to be honest And I know with he's you. conscious of his weight. I know he's conscious of, of, of how he has to stay in shape and his mobility because it's important because he is getting older. So, yeah, is there some decline in his game? I, I, I think the numbers may prove you wrong because last year he threw, he threw for over 3,000 yards. He had, he had 33 touchdowns or something like that. So this year – they don't have a number two. There's nobody behind Bill Roethlisberger that you can turn the ball over to, so you have to go to him, and, and hopefully he can get the job done. I believe he'll be fine. I think he is fine. He's played a lot of football. He's just he's just a gunslinger that's gotten a little old, and he's just out there fighting a scrap. You're a diehard New York Yankee fan. We have that in common. It has not been my favorite season of Yankee yeah. baseball. It's been the ultimate roller coaster ride. Willie, I got suckered back in when they won 13 games in a row. So this last I did too. month, I think we all did. It, it's kicked my ass. It's really beating me down. I'm dumb enough. I'm going to Fenway this weekend. Oh, so, you really? Yeah, pray for me this weekend. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to a funeral. I don't know if I got to wear black. They're a half game out as yeah. we do this podcast right of now. Toronto, right? Half game back at Toronto. I think a game and a half back at Boston. I'm okay. putting you on the spot. Okay. Are the New York Yankees playing in the wild card game in two weeks? I think they got it. I think the Matt, I think Yan- I believe in Yankee magic. I think it's going to happen. I think you were talking to your boy, CeCe. I think he <laughs> might have rubbed off on you a little bit. How, by the way, how's the golf swing looking these days? Horrible, man. I was, I was golfing in the John Stark's charity uh, golf tournament out in a terror. was a Terramac country club out in Westchester. It's not too far from the Westchester uh, airport. And um, I had a great time. I was golfing with Scott Perry, man. And he's, and he's awesome. So I, we, we, you know, his Scott Perry's dad played for the Steelers back in the 1950s. Oh, I didn't know that. How about that? Yeah. So, and Scott Perry's a diehard Steeler fan, man. And he's been to camp a bunch. By the time I think he was coming around to camp, um, I was still there. But toward my later years, I was with the Jets. And that's when he transitioned over. When he left Orlando, I think he transitioned to New York and took the job. But just talking to him and talking about old school ball and talking about, you know, he just has a, he has a old, he's, a, he's that old pimp daddy soul, man. He's a sweetheart of a man. I love him. So uh, we were able to exchange numbers, and uh, my golf game was horrible, like it was horrendous. It was, it was, it was, it was as bad as him getting. He was just swinging away. He has a beautiful swing. So, but he, uh, he was patient with me. He allowed me to keep on uh, moving with him. 
That's the spirit. I can only hope and pray. I'm going to see you in the Bronx, maybe outside your bar, maybe yeah, Bodega. Yeah, come on by. Beverage, cigar, and away we go. Maybe we're getting ready for a playoff game after all. Fingers you crossed, believe. okay? You got to believe, JJ. I like the sound of that. Willie Colon, don't be a stranger, man. Keep up the good work, all right? Hey, blessings, brother. Best of luck. Great stuff with Willie Colon. Coming up next, your voicemails. And yeah, it's a Tuesday and a Wednesday show. That means it's time for Trivia Q&A with JJ. All that more right after this. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. So a couple of things before we get to voicemails. Number one, I am shocked that the entire world is betting the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Shocked. Now, I understand it's a battle of 0 twos. I know Atlanta might have more star power. They might have more fantasy power from an offensive perspective. I'm shocked. 68% of the tickets and 71% of the money is coming in on the Falcons as we do this podcast on Tuesday night. The other thing I'm telling you right now, look for overreactions. and. My memo and my piece of advice to anyone who bets the NFL, it is a week-to-week league. You're going to hear me say that until I'm blue in the face. It's week-to-week. That Vegas-Miami game, I don't care who's playing quarterback, and I'm hoping and praying it's going to be Tua because I really don't want to have to deal with watching the big boy Jacoby Brissett bumbling and stumbling around, but you want to talk about a little bit of an overreaction line. That's one that we have circled as we look ahead to Thursday. Back-to-back winning weeks. Two-game lead here on Beningo in our old-school, new-school NFL picks. I love it. The geniuses over at the Ringer decided that would be a good idea. Give them credit for that. I cannot take the credit. That's one we have. I actually have about seven games that I like this week. Full disclosure. Because I was going through my prep work today over coffee. That's what I do. I walk. See, people, I, I, I laugh. I laugh. I laugh. At people who like do shows and basically script out like 15, 20 pages of notes. You know what my notes are? Right here. Okay. That might make me a little sick in the head, but those are my notes. My idea of what I'm betting, I'm like, all right, I'm getting my Starbucks. I got like my Travolta Shrud. I'm moving around Brooklyn. And I'm like, yeah, I like this game. I like that game. I like this game. I like that game. That's how I roll. That's what I do. That's why the idea of me doing a show. Back in my prior career where I'd be doing two hours of meetings before we do the show was just not something I was going to be interested in. But hey, everything happens for a reason, right? Everything happens for a reason. Voicemail time. Number is 917-382-1151. Let's get to it. These should be spirited. So Rudy, what do we got? Hey, JJ. Chris from Kingston. Joe Douglas has to get a, take a hit for his drafted. 2020, he drafted Mim, and the, um, the, you know, where the wide receivers classes were, were so good. He drafted him for the second round pick. He's done absolutely nothing. He doesn't even play. Like, 
and he's healthy. So he's got to take a real hit. Ashton Davis, third round pick, nothing. Becton, although he's going to be real good, I think. He can't stay on the field. So do me a favor. Have Joe Beningo when you have him on Friday. Tell him what's going on with the 2020 draft. That might be the worst draft class that um, a draft manager has drafted in a long time. So Joe Douglas has got to take a hit for that draft class. Okay, thanks. Chris, we're about a year away from truly being able to evaluate what the Jets did in the 2020 draft. Here's the problem with your narrative and your assessment. You're failing to realize how many draft picks from the McCagman era didn't make it to a second contract. They were basically gone after one, two, or three years. Idzik's drafts were an absolute dumpster fire of epic proportions. So the good news for Joe Douglas, there is an insanely low bar for Jet drafts, and I am not at the point yet where I'm ready to proclaim that an entire draft class is utterly worthless. Now, Willie Cohen or I on the same page when it comes to Denzel Mims. He needs to be activated on Sunday. This is a quarterback that took what, four interceptions against the New England Patriots. They could use a receiver who could go up and make a play. And I don't know if Denzel Mims is a legitimate NFL receiver. I saw him show flash, a glimpse, week one against Carolina. I saw a little of it last year. Can we play him? There's no reason he should not be activated. And yeah, I do wonder, as Willie just brought up a few minutes ago, if indeed that's something that's personal between he and this coaching staff, he and LaFour. I don't know. I really don't know. But it's a great mystery to me, and I would be pressing him all week if I'm covering the Jets. Denzel Mims got to play. I want him activated on Sunday. Who's up next? Hey, JJ. This is Anthony from Fishkill. I had to break my silence after listening to Sunday into Monday's podcast. I, after a crap New York sports weekend, um, I needed some podcast therapy from you. And I go to open my podcast and I see Bill from Los Angeles prominently featured on your show, clearly there to gloat about the Boston success and the New York failure over the weekend. And it drove me up the wall. Thank God for timestamps because I skipped the entire conversation with Bill. But I got to tell you, if Boston falls on their face and when they do, you got to have Bill from Los Angeles back on the show so that we can throw our stones at him and let him have it because he had a, a jolly good time there going after the New York sports fan and it was driving me up the wall. So hopefully you can have him on after the Sox and the Patriots fall on their face. Uh, great podcast. Uh, talk to you soon. Take care. I appreciate that, Anthony. And trust me, I would love to do so. The problem is I haven't been able to do much gloating since I've taken on this new endeavor. You know, the Yankees had their 13-game winning streak. I had a couple of texts that were rather enjoyable. I love the hate swelling in Simmons when he came back from vacation. And I, I got him to admit how childish it was that he is basically more content with the Yankees not winning than the Boston Red Sox actually winning. Like, that bothered me. So I'm glad that we were able to get that out on the record where we could kind of expose that for what it is. We, we love Bill from Los Angeles. He's welcome on New York, New York anytime. He is the creator in many ways of New York, New York. He approached me with the idea. I fell in love with the idea. And the rest, as they say in the business, is history. What's the line in The Wizard of Oz? I will bide my time. I feel like the Wicked Witch of the West. That's kind of me right now. I'm going to bide my time. Because right now with the Yankees, I can't say shit. Okay. 
The Yankees have to play well this week. They have to get in. I'll sign right now. Yankees, Red Sox, wildcard game, I'm in. Yankees, anybody wildcard game, I'm in. I even think I'd take a game 163 at this point. Because it means you're playing a game beyond the end of the regular season. And I get it. Underwhelming, disappointing Yankee team. Incredibly frustrating Yankee team. I still want to be in the tournament. I know our buddy Anthony and Sayasin might tell you otherwise. The fan of me still wants to be in the tournament. Who's next? JJ, Dave and Queens here. We used to speak on the other station you were on. Listen, I love your podcast, but you know I'm a Chargers guy. You know I'm from New York, and I'm a Herbert guy. And every time I hear you, because you're a Tua guy, we go back before they were drafted. You got Tua, I got Herbert. You got to keep bringing it up on the podcast Rewind I'm listening to right here that he sucked against Belichick. Big whoopee. I've only listened to the first 10 minutes of the other day's show. So you're going to keep bringing up Herbert? I mean, I'm wondering, you're going to bring him up five more times? All right. He lost to Belichick. Big whoop. You got bigger concerns with your boy Tua. You know you're a little bit bitter because you didn't pick Herbert. So just say it and admit it to your podcasters that might have never heard it. I used to hear it on the fan and I exposed you. I congratulate you when the Dolphins win. You know, you beat us last year. Tua beat, you want to say Tua beat us? Tua did beat us against Herbert. But you know, and 99.9% of the world and people in the league want, would want Herbert. So stop saying he lost to Belichick on your freaking podcast that I'm listening to here in a bar in New York, New York. I'm in New York. And I want to hear Herbert praise or at least give him respect. Okay, but stop harping that he lost to fucking Belichick. Um, wow, big whoopee. Tua is going to lose to him a lot more. And if he's even the freaking damn quarterback of them. So you know you want Herbert, and so does, so does every Dolphin fan. You guys fucked up. We fucked up in the past as Charger fans. And we accept it. Get over it and swallow your bitter pill and accept your boy Tua. I got Herbert and I'm never giving him up. That's the great Dave in Queens. And Dave is one of my favorite callers from back in the day at the old place. That is 1000% accurate. I want to no part of Justin Herbert. I am raising my hand. I am not running and hiding from that take. On draft night 2020, I made it clear. I wanted Tua over Herbert. Would I be taking a big fat L a year plus in? Absolutely. Herbert looks like the real deal. And I haven't won a whole lot. So before we're anointing him as like the next Mahomes or whoever, he hasn't, he hasn't done that yet, but his talent is off the charts. Is he a great winner? Does he have that if factor about him? Does he have that sort of charisma you need to be the creme de la creme? That's still very much undecided. Talent-wise, he has everything you could want. So I understand your giddiness from a Charger perspective. Despite the fact that your team has not won a whole lot last year and so far is one and one this year, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. And we are going to acknowledge, you know, the two of Belichick games. We are. Listen, I am hoping and praying that Tua comes back and plays great. I really am. The concerns, though, about somebody his size were on full display on Sunday. That was a bad unacceptable hit from an offensive line. The idea that you would let a defensive lineman basically come in untouched within a second and a half and decapitate your quarterback, it's no good. But I saw this out on social media in a couple of Dolphin places, and I have to agree with this. 
That's Ryan Tannehill. Is Ryan Tannehill getting up from that hit? Yes. He is. That's the fear with Tua. Tua, listen, it's a big year for him. Unfair, unfair. It's a huge year. We talk about this all the time now with these quarterbacks. It used to be you got three to four years if you were a first-round pick, if you were a top-half first-round pick. You're getting three, if not four years. It's not the case anymore. It's more like two to three. Daniel Jones in his third year. What a gigantic year it is for him. Darnold, we saw what happened with him, 18, 19, and then 2020. With the Sean Watson woman. Yeah, it's rather significant for Tua to get back on the field and perform. Especially with an antsy owner who is dying for the next Marino. I think Tua could play. I do. I think he's smart. I think he's incredibly accurate. I think they've built an offense around him, but if he can't get on the field and the offensive line's going to stink, that could change things in about six months. Nothing's going to happen in season. I'd be shocked if it does. The 2021 season from a Miami Dolphins perspective is about that referendum on this quarterback. And if they're not happy with where they're at the end of this year, then I think Watson is the Dolphin. So, yes, right now you can go up. Even though Herbert is on one against two, by the way. You can go up. Give credit where credit is though. Who's next? Hey, JJ. Sean from Long Island. Thanks for taking the call, man. Uh, first off, just with the Mets Red Sox, I feel like this is a really unique, could have been a special little interleague series here in September. I wish the Mets had done, done better leading up to it. The first to me, nothing is really, really a bummer. But uh, what can you do? Actually calling about week three in the NFL. I would call you on Friday about this, but I'm wondering if the Thursday night Panther Texan game has uh, crept onto your radar as far as the possible knockout pool taking the Panthers against Davis Mills and Houston. Uh, my personal policies, you know, I try to avoid divisional games. Those are always wonky. I also try to take home teams, which unfortunately Carolina is not in this game. But just one of your heads out there. Of course, my other policy, JJ, don't yell at me. Never go against the Jets. Campaign against the Jets. So that kind of handcuffs me. I'm sure it'll be my doom. But uh, just trying to see where your head's at for knockout pools. Are Carolina Panthers on your mind? If not, I'm thinking probably the Bills against Washington. You know, they are home, not a divisional game. Heineke could be frisky, but uh, that might be my pick. Just wondering if uh, Panthers are on your radar. Thanks, JJ. Take care. Appreciate it, Sean. They are absolutely on my radar for those of you who are going to be in a knockout pool. I mean, can anybody name who the Houston Texan quarterback is? I mean, I have no idea who he is. Full disclosure, I have no idea. I don't like road teams. I don't like Thursday night games. Carolina's not losing. You want to tell me they're not covering, that's one thing. Carolina's not losing that game. There are a couple of great knockout options this week. Baltimore is a good knockout option. Buffalo, as you alluded to, is a good knockout option. Cleveland, if you didn't take them last week against Chicago, good knockout option. Arizona, good knockout option. Some might use Kansas City. Awful loss. They're a good knockout option. I wouldn't do it. I think that'll be a tight game with the Chargers. It always seems to be a tight game with the Chargers. All those options are great. The best one on the board, though, is probably Denver against the Jets. Denver's an 11-point favorite. They're playing that home opener. That Vangio defense against Zach Wilson, they might play conservative. They might be more competitive. Maybe they cover the 11. Jets aren't winning that game. I'd be shocked if they won that game. And you got to break that rule, Sean. Listen, I've picked against the Dolphins 
plenty of years when they have stunk. The year they were tanking, I was picking against them left and right. Left and right, left and right, left and right. And you know what? Surviving events. Picking against the Jets last year worked out extremely well until, you know, Sean McVay and Jared Goff had other plans. You know, I thought I was like ahead of the curve too. And I'm in a big money knockout pool. So I just proposed at the time. You know, I was looking for a little extra loot. Would have been nice. You know, would have been nice. I'm thinking now, I'm, I'm a genius. I got the Rams saved in week 15 against the Jets. I mean, come on, this, this is a layup. You don't normally get layoffs in week 15. Not to be. But considering I had the Raiders in the uh, Greg Williams cover zero game, I guess I was owed one, you know? I guess I was owed one. So you may have to reconsider that stance. Just saying. Last but not least, before we have some fun with some trivia, where I've been muy caliente, what do we got? Hey, JJ, it's Max from Astoria, Oregon, calling again. Uh, hey, listen, I got two things for you. I was just wondering, um, earlier this year, I had, I, I admit I have to make an apology to you because I said my crappy Mariners team was better than your Yankees team, which wasn't the case until you guys had that trade deadline where you had that, I don't know, 13 game win streak or something like that. And then you guys, got to the point where I was like, okay, not only are they going to make the playoffs, I think this Yankee team could actually make a World Series push here. They're that good. Then I don't know. What what happened, JJ? Did the wheels fall off? I don't know. I need an explanation here from you at least. But the real important question I got for you is this. It's a little off topic. It's golf. We're coming up on Ryder Cup here. JJ, Team Europe Every single year has Ian Poulter on their team. Is it because Ian Poulter is a good golfer? He's okay. Is he the best in the world or is he the best in Europe? No, he's not. You know why he's on their team? He's their fireball. He always gets Team Europe going. USA never has that. And the one time we did have it, it was Patrick Reed who took out Rory McIlroy. Do you see Rory on the USA team roster this year? I mean, I don't. JJ, I, I, I gotta admit, I mean, we have a guy in Brooks Kepka who does, who evidently doesn't even want to be on the team. Oh, he didn't say he didn't want to be on the team necessarily, but Paul Azinger is even calling him out and saying, if you don't want to play, don't be on the team. So I don't know, JJ. I think Patrick Reed is a fireball and he might not be the best U.S. American golfer. Of course, we all know that, but man, does he bring some heat. And we're in America now. We're at Whistling Straits. Let's go. Get Patty on the team. He'll juice his team up. We got to win this, right? Okay. Thanks, JJ. All the love from the Pacific Northwest. All right. Bye. I love that call because I'm in full-fledged agreement. I'm a Patrick Reed guy. I know he pisses people off. I know he pisses off the old school golf crowd. I hate the old school golf crowd for what it's worth. The old school golf that won't put music on in the cards, that like is stuck up. It's you know, super pretentious, better than just people that, honestly, I wouldn't want to have a beer with, quite frankly. Pat Reed's one of those guys who's like, yeah, screw you guys. I like that. I know he kind of pushes the envelope. I know he rubs some guys the wrong way. Reed's a badass. I'm with you a thousand percent. He should be on the Ryder Cup team. And I like Brooksy. I'm a Brooks Kepka guy. I'm a big fan of his. I, I like him. I do. If you don't want to play in the Ryder Cup, stay home. Do me a favor. Don't be there. 
I don't need you to like fake it, to go through the motions and not give a rat's ass. You want to kick Europe's ass? Be there. If you're not all in and you want to enjoy your supermodel fiance and you want to go on vacation, go on vacation. Okay? I would like the United States to win the Ryder Cup next week. I totally agree. I'm sick of losing to Europe. It bothers me that they lose to them all the time. And you know what, Poulter? You're right about that. He's a little bit of an instigator. He's a guy who's going to get under your skin a little bit. Europeans know what they're doing. They've had a lot more success in this event than the Americans have over the last, I don't know, 20 to 30 years. I'd like to win a Ryder Cup, although I don't like the United States chances, for what it's worth. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't like their chances. One note. I just saw this from Rojas. And this, for the life of me, makes absolutely no sense. Why the Mets pushing this idea of getting DeGrom and Syndergaard back? Who cares? Your season is over. You know, with Syndergaard, I get it because it's kind of like Severino. Hasn't pitched since 2019. The idea of just getting him on a mound again. You could sell me on that. DeGrom, I don't need to see Jake. He's the franchise. He pitched half a year. He's more dominant than anybody. What, we're going to bring him back to throw two or three measly innings at the end of the year? That mean nothing? That is a waste. Let's, let's acknowledge that here and now. The idea of bringing Jacob DeGrom back for the New York Mets to pitch a couple of innings is stupidity. It's legitimately asinine to think about. Syndergaard? Sure. Remember what it feels like. DeGrom pitched an entire two, two and a half months this year. I don't need DeGrom coming back to make a cameo appearance. Like one man fan is going to say, oh, Jake's throwing two or three innings. I'm giddy. They're going to be like, yeah, great. Too little, too late. Trivia time. And I have a very suspicious feeling that you guys are coming for me. Why do I say that? Because the last couple of weeks doing trivia, I have been... On my game. Been super sharp. I'm feeling my oats. So I expect this to be quite the challenge. Let's hear it. Okay, JJ, Larry in Florida. I got two for you tonight. Holy shit. It's the third Blue Jay shortstop to hit 20 or more home runs. Who are the other two? The second one is uh, Simeon's got 41 homers this year as a second baseman. Who's the last second baseman to hit at least 40 homers? I'm out. Wow. Two outstanding, outstanding trivia questions from the great Larry in Florida. All right, I'm going to take a stab at question number one. Toronto Blue Jays shortstop to hit 20-plus home runs. The first Toronto Blue Jays shortstop to hit 20-plus home runs, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Troy Tulowitzki. One down, one to go. I was very, very confident in that answer. That was kind of a drop the mic, a backflip, you know, whatever you want to call it. I think I called it a backflip. It's a bad flip. It's, it's the same shit. I mean, backflip, backflip. Might as well do all of them if I'm getting trivia questions right. I got one down. I'm confident in that one. The other Blue Jet hit 20 home runs, plus the last second baseman to hit 40 home runs. That's coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. So we got Troy Tulowitzki, the second Blue Jays shortstop to hit 20 home runs. Now, you got to remember something with the Blue Jays. This is not a franchise that has 80, 90, 100 years of history. I think the Blue Jays came into existence, what, in the mid to late 1970s, for goodness sakes. So I'm going to say that this is somebody of recent ilk. That is going to be my guess. Somebody of recent ilk playing shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays, hitting 20-plus home runs. Tulowitzki was one. I don't love this guess, Rudy, but I'm throwing it out anyway just because it's coming to the tip of my tongue. Is it Jonathan VR? Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel great about that. I did not feel great about that. Now, I'm going to ask you for a little bit of a hint, Rudy, and this is just from a year's standpoint. Was this Toronto Blue Jay before or after their two championships in 1992 and 1993? After. Okay. That helps things a little bit. A little bit. Man, who was playing shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays? All right, I think I have a guess. I'm not positive he was a shortstop, but I'm going to throw his name out there anyway. Is it Tony Bautista? My man. Let's freaking go. Holy shit, I can't believe I pulled that one out of my ass. Wow. The fact that I got that on a second guess is rather remarkable. You know what it is? Once you get past the 92-93 Blue Jays, how many shortstops did they have during that time who hit for any power? Bautista was one of those guys that kind of sucked. He hit like 210 or 220, but he hit it out of the ballpark. Why I randomly remember, who the hell knows, but that's why we do this. So Larry, question one, taken care of, accounted for. Now Marcus Simeon, 40 home runs. Last second baseman to hit 40. I have one or two guesses here because I don't think my guy Soriano ever did it. I think he came close, and I think he hit like 38 or 39 home runs. So, guys, I'm going to say my guess. The former National League MVP, Jeff Kent. Mm. Jeff Kent hit 37, uh, and as you mentioned, Soriano hit 39. I knew that. I knew Soriano did not get to 40 because I wanted him so badly to get to 40-40. And he fell a little short of that. Kent did not get to 40 home runs. Wow. So we got to think. Oh, 
I think I know the answer to this question. I think I know the answer to this question. Even though I'm not 1,000% confident, I feel like I have to throw his name out there. Is it drug cheat, former Yankee, current Met, Robinson, don't you know, Cano? Uh, 39 as well, but nope, not 40. Wow. There have only been five guys in the history of the league that have done this. Uh, it happened most... You want me to give you the year it happened most recently? Yes, please do. 2016. 2016. He had 42 home runs. A second baseman hit 42 home runs. Second baseman, 42 home runs. Wow, it's not Cano. We threw his name out there. If it's the 2016 season, there's no way it was Javi Baez. Baez, I think, put up his big power numbers when he was a shortstop. Man, second baseman, 40 home runs, and it was done in 2016. Because I was going to throw Max Muncy out there, but Muncy... Obviously, did not do it in 2016. He came to the Dodgers, I think, 2018, 2019. He, 35, he hit 19. Yep. But nope. Uh, you want the team? No. I'm taking one more guess at it, okay. and then you can give me the team. 40 home runs, 2016. At you want the league? Second base. Yes. Give me the league. Give me the league. American League. American League. 40 home runs. Oh, man. As a fantasy baseball guy, you would think that I would know the answer to this question. You know what? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a stab at this. Even though I don't know if he got the 40 home runs, but screw it, I'm throwing his name out there. Is it Rugnet Odor? Let me give nah. you the team. How about the, let's see if this give me will the, give me the some team. things. I, I'm not mad at that guess, by the way. I'm really not. I'm not mad at that guess, but okay. 2016 Minnesota Twins. Oh, jeez. He had Winkies. 42 home runs. Is it Jorge Polanco? Mm. All right, I'm taking one more guess at this, and then I'm waving the white flag. Is it uh, Eduardo Escobar? Mm. I mean, who the hell was it? <laughs> it was Brian Dozier. Oh, man. Oh, that's going to piss me off. Who ended up, by the way, hitting a wild card against our buddy Luis Severino starting off that night when I was like more jet lagged than any other human could possibly be coming from the Jake Cutler London debacle to get to the wild card game. And I walk in, Dozier lead off homer. Sevy doesn't make it out of the first inning. And that, of course, was the Didi Gregorius three run bottom half of the first inning homer against Irvin Santana. Ryan Dozier. See, I should have got that. Good job, Larry. 50-50. Listen, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of Tony Bautista. I'm like very, very proud that I got that one. I should have gotten Brian Dozier because that was an easier question. I should have gotten Brian Dozier. I forgot that he was a 40 home run guy. Let's welcome in the star, multi-faceted, multi-talented extraordinaire, Maria Marina, up next. So I figured it's time once again to welcome in the real star of Place Your Bets. Now, I happen to see this lovely lady each and every Sunday. I don't see her in person much these days, which kind of stinks. But, hey, 
Once a week on television, I guess. Actually, it's more than once a week. Who are we kidding? From SNY, the multi-talented, my good pal, Maria Marino. What's up, MM? Oh, my gosh. JJ, you got to make me blush the second I come on. I mean, I'm not complaining, but. <laughs> well, that's what we do around here, Maria. First of all, welcome back, number one. Second cool. of all. Thank you. Can you believe this is the third season now of us doing Place Your Bets on SNY Sunday morning? No, not really. I mean, it's it's flown. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, you know, we've been virtual as as in, you know, the show's on TV, but I don't see you in person. I've seen you probably more than any of my other friends in the last year and a half, except it's always over Zoom. <laughs> I saw you once in person, but hey, it works. You show up. Um, and I don't know about that whole I'm the real star. I think you bring the energy uh, each and every week. And you and John Hine are the ones putting your, you know, picks on the line and, and putting yourselves out there. So much respect. Well, I can tell you, Maria, we are off to a much better start here in 2021 than we were in 2020. Because I feel like the first month of the year was as nightmarish as it gets for oh. years truly. It felt like I couldn't win a bet. I couldn't win a week. Then I got hot at the end of the year and it yeah. was a little bit too little too late. Um, for someone now that's been doing this for three years and you've been in the business now, you're a seasoned vet. It feels like ah. you've been in the business now a long, long time. Are you surprised that. in a way the way sports betting and the conversation on television and in podcasting and in just the media for that matter has become in many ways as mainstream as it is today? Not really because of the money involved. Uh, being that sports betting companies are the biggest sort of sponsors that we're seeing in media across the board, you know, networks are going to follow that money. And, you know, we've been, you've been having these conversations for years, you know, before uh, sports betting was legalized in many places, but now that it's legal, it's, you know, it's, it's free reign. And it just, uh, for me, like, it's just another angle of, sports. So why not? I mean, some, I still occasionally get some people that tweet me. I think you're this way too, where it'll be like, you know, somebody that's mad that we're talking about sports betting. It's like, you basically you like, want to just tell them to F off and get with the times. You know well, what I mean? Like that's like the old man yelling at the cloud, basically. That's the way I equate but it. Not for anything, but if you're interested in football, like we literally talk about every single angle of games all across the league and especially the locals. Like, you will be interested in the storylines and you can you can use that as entertainment and your information, um, whether you're betting or not. So I don't know. I, I think you got to respect it. Well, and I get the sense, and I'm not just saying this because we do the show every week. I get the sense that you have really become a little bit of a savant. You're in it. Be honest with me, Marie. You're in it a lot more maybe than you were five or six years ago. Reasonable? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think I recognized pretty early on that Getting into fantasy, understanding sports betting was going to give me some more interesting angles and a more of a niche in the sports media realm that would only help me get jobs. Um, and I think, you know, when SNY took me on full time, they did so with the understanding that sports betting was on the rise, that there were going to be more opportunities in sports betting. And they saw some of the work I had done previously like with Fantasy Sports Network, which is now Sports Grid. Um, and so I think that definitely was uh, something that helped me out in my career. And that's a big reason why I got why I got into it. I used to be 
sort of a curmudgeon myself, like years ago, I remember before I got into fantasy and I was like, ah, you know, fantasy, whatever, like I'm too cool for fantasy. And then I was like, wait, what the hell am I talking about? (laughs) Too cool for (laughs) fantasy. See, I'm glad that I'm glad that you have come full circle on that. I'll tell you what, unfortunately has not come full circle though. Winning for these football teams, winning in in general for these New York teams has not been a common occurrence no. Giants last week was probably rock bottom as bad as it gets. I think they have an excellent chance to win this week. Now, I'm skeptical that they're going to turn their season around. Do you think the Giants season can be salvaged? Do you think the Giants will play much better football here over the next couple of weeks? Absolutely, it can be salvaged. I mean, there's certainly nothing guaranteed. The problem is when you look at the schedule for the Giants, there's no week, and, and that includes this week against the Falcons. There's no week that you can look at a game and say, that's the win. You can look and say, these are games that are winnable. And that certainly applies for week three. But I wouldn't say that week two is necessarily rock bottom. And I'll tell you why. Because Daniel Jones actually played fantastic. And it's just unfortunate that they lost the game of discipline. There were stupid mistakes that cost them the game. But... When you looked at how Daniel Jones played, you're like, okay, at least on the positive side, like our our quarterback is balling out. And I think that's definitely like bodes well for the future of the season because last year, you know, he kind of, I want to say regressed a little bit in terms of production. And I think part of that was on Jason Garrett and, and part of that was missing Saquon and like all of those things. But in general, I think he's in a good place And you have to expect that the defense is going to start to play better. That Joe Judge, which I know you like Joe Judge as a coach. I do. And so if you believe in him, I would say that under him last year, the Giants took a step forward. Why wouldn't they take another step forward this year? And then on top of that, it's really the division being wide open that gives you um, a sense of optimism now by no means am I saying like I I think the Giants can win the division or that I even expect them to but just the sheer like (laughs) ineptitude of the division makes me think okay they have a shot here I'm not writing them off right away but they did get burned with a a crappy like schedule having Thursday night football week two they should have won that game it's really annoying because a lot of those opportunities aren't coming around often so you got to take advantage when they do They fell short, but I think they can beat Washington the next time around. I think I certainly think there's no reason why they can't split with the Eagles. You know, Dallas is obviously the favorite to win the division. We'll see how they do there. But um, no, I'm not writing them off just yet. Be honest with me. How excited are you for this baseball season to finally come to a close? You can can admit it. You can admit it on this podcast. It's a safe space. Can I then? Can I you sure can. That's why you're here. I'm in a. I'm in. I'm on the outs with baseball right now. I've had a summer in which, <laughs> you know how it way goes too on many SNY. long nights in that SNY yes. newsroom, huh? So look, I love. I love my job. I love anchoring sports night. I love coming on with you and the other folks and and you know chopping it up about New York sports. Um, being the the network that airs Mets games, I have. I have to believe that the Mets have got to be like near the top of all of the majors in terms of like length of game. <laughs> like there's just been so many long games and then obviously games, you know, with blown saves, whatever, but it's, it's been a long one, you know, and this year what's crazy is it's, it's not just the Mets, you know, it's the Yankees too, that are um, just not having the best season. So, you know, 
I'm, you know me. I love my football. I'm a basketball gal. Like for me, that's, that's my, that's my time of year. This is when I come alive right here. So while I would love, you know, to see the Yankees go into the postseason, um, you know, I'm not going to be too sad or mourning like when baseball season ends. Don't hate me, people that watch SNY. <laughs> that's okay. I'll be in mourning. I'll be calling for heads. I'll be taking all of <laughs> your lack of anger and your excitement and turning it the other way around. Now, I'm going to admit something. I'm going to acknowledge that I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. And this is where I'm going to cede to you. Your beloved New York Liberty are in the playoffs. Now, I had no idea they were in the playoffs. So you broke this news to me a couple of days ago. (laughs) Before we get into whether or not I should put some money down on them. Ionescu, who everybody was like raving about. Like she's this phenom. She's this like new standout women's basketball. You've now seen her. You watch her. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But- does she have like star written all over her for like the next 10 to 12 years? Or are you, dare I say a little underwhelmed by what you have seen so far? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, before I get there, let me just say, while, you know, in a time when the Yankees may not make the postseason, and we know how the rest of things are going in New York sports, I have to say, I'm a little excited that Liberty are into the playoffs. And you know what? It's the first time they've made it since 2017. They had a rough second half of the season as a team. So they kind of limped into the playoffs. But that being said, they're there. It's a stepping stone. It's it's something, right? So and by we, that description, I'm not betting on them in their first well, round okay. series is well, what you're telling me. Yeah, that, you know, that's basically the way you set that up. Well, stepping stone, oh, nice year. Oh, don't yeah, expect because, them to win. Because, look, I'm going to give it to you straight. I like Liberty. I like Sabrina. And I'm going to answer your question in one second. But, like, you know... <laughs> They, they don't have a winning record. They lost eight straight prior to the game that they needed to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. So I'm going to give them credit for that. They beat Washington on Friday night. And if they hadn't, their, their playoff hopes would have been done. But they had to get it done. They did that. They're a young team. And uh, I would say, no, I wouldn't bet on them to beat. Uh, they're playing Phoenix Thursday night, 10 o'clock Eastern. And Phoenix has had a great second half and they have an MVP candidate and Brittany Griner, who's their big, they have a, a great uh, point guard in Skylar Diggins Smith. They have the, probably the, the goat of the WNBA, which is Diana Taurasi, assuming she's healthy and able to play. So no, I would not, I would not bet that they would win. Uh, in my mind, Phoenix is on another level than New York, but as I said, you got to start somewhere and you just broke a playoff drought and when it comes to Sabrina, to bring this back to her, you know, I want to say yes, first of all, to answer your question. I think she is that player that is changing changing things for New York. And last season, um, as you know, she only played three games before she had a, a gruesome ankle injury that cost her the rest of the season, right? So she comes back this season – and the first half, you're right. It was a little underwhelming. There were moments where she hit game winners. or I mean, she became the youngest player uh, in the history of the W to, to get a triple-double. So like, there were definitely shining moments where you were like, okay, this is the number one draft pick. This is the savior, blah, blah, blah. But she's a different player in the second half. So that's where I caution people. So she's averaging uh, just under 12 points for the season. But since the Olympic break, she's averaging closer to 15 and in her Last five games, um, she's actually averaging, let me think. 
oh, close to close to 18 points per Look game. Look at you doing so, quick math right there. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like looking at the numbers really quick. So in other words, last five games, she's averaging close to 18 points per game. She's also third in the league averaging over six assists per game. So she's doing some things that are amazing. And, and keep in mind, like I said, the first half, not only did she miss a couple games because she was having tendonitis in that ankle that she hurt last year, but she had a few games that she was under minutes restrictions. So like it took her a little bit to find her rhythm. But like I said, if you look in the, the numbers in the second half, she really is doing quite well. So I'm just kind of interested to see this because you go into a playoff game and when you're young, I say this a lot in the NBA too, you're almost like you don't even realize how big the moment is. And so it sometimes takes a little pressure off. Right. Look at Trey Young. Trey Young yeah, went out and balled um, out. 100%. And I said this the year before um, in the bubble with the Heat and like Tyler Hero, right? Like he was like an example of like young player. Like, what does he have to lose? He can go out there and play loose. So I think there's a little bit of danger in that respect. And then you got to, like I said, you got to see. Um, I don't know yet the status of, of Diana. That obviously changes things. Because by the way, this first game, it's winner take all. First, first and second rounds in the W are single elimination. So uh, the other thing too, Diana in single elimination games, her record over her career is absurd. Like never, ever bet against her in a winner take all game, basically. But um, it was a pleasant surprise. They're in it. It's, it's exciting. You know, this is, uh, this is a new era. Like they would have been in Barclays Center last year, if not for COVID you know, under new ownership, the same ownership as the Brooklyn Nets, um, Joe and Clara, Wu Sai, like, this is a big deal. Like, this is, uh, ever since um, the MSG company essentially sold them, um, this is a new opportunity for this franchise. So it's it's exciting. You know, they, they got the new ownership. They got the new arena. They got the number one pick. Now they're into the playoffs, albeit, you know, not the best record and, uh, you know, might get bounced in the first round, but this is progress. Don't be a stranger. I appreciate the WNBA <laughs> education. And and by the way, when are you going to start making some picks on the show? Can I start pushing for that? Like the Maria Locke once a week? So you can certainly put in a word. Um, part of the problem was I was told as the host, they didn't want me. Contractually. Picks. Well, that's listen, I don't have say in such matters for what it's worth. <laughs> I think you should be. Uh, so maybe I can I can work this into your contract. Maria, always a pleasure. To. Thanks for joining us. Keep up the good work, all right? Thanks for letting me come on and wax poetic about uh, the W. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, for you. I know it's your baby. I know it's <laughs> Maria's baby. All right, that's the great Maria Marino over at SNY. All right, thanks, Maria. Now, Thursday Night Football. Miserable matchup. And listen, Carolina is the right side. Carolina is going to win this game. The idea of laying eight points on the road, though, is a dicey proposition because anytime you have one of those Thursday night road favorites, massive favorite team that's still up and coming in Carolina, like you're waiting to get burned on a spread like that. So here's my advice to how you play Thursday night football. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tease up the under and I'm going to tease down the Panthers. So I'm going to go on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I'm going to go and take this total to 49 and a half. And I'm going to go and take the Carolina Panthers down to minus two. So I'm going to go Carolina minus two. And I'm going to go under 49 and a half. That's the way we're going to handicap Sunday night or Thursday night football. And what is a miserable, miserable game between the Panthers and the Houston Texans. We'll see if Jeff Money has a similar mentality 
Jeff Money, you need a win, buddy. What do you got? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be for Thursday, the 23rd, the uh, Thursday night football game. Now, I don't love the game. It's not going to be part of my contest play, but as we know, we always play, we always pick the Thursday and uh, Monday night game. So I'm going to go with the Panthers minus the seven and a half over the Texans. And I wish the line was seven, but it's seven and a half. And I just, I just cannot take the uh, Texans. So I'm going to roll with the Panthers minus the seven and a half. Again, it's a non-contest play, and I'll give you my five-contest play on your next pod. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. And I would have been very tempted to take Houston with Tyrod Taylor if I were handicapped in week three knowing he was going to play. Because he's moved the ball well. The Texans have actually been in the first two games that they've played with a third-string quarterback. There's just no one in the world I'm going to do that. I can't. Fun show. Thanks for the help, Mets. Really appreciate it. The one measly day I'm rooting for the Mets all year. Way to go. I fully expect them to lose again tomorrow because that's what they do. I'll be at Yankee Stadium. And then we're back Thursday pod with all the fixings, with all the treats. Joe B, old school, new school, NFL picks challenge, the unlocks of the week. Arthur Caesar from Vegas. Jason Katz with all the fantasy. And we will set the stage. Yankees. Red Sox. Win or go home time for the Bombers. So it's going to be a very, very intense week. Very, very busy week. We will chat Thursday evening. The work, fellas. JJ signing off. Be good, everybody.